Hi, welcome to the Quipster Film Review Podcast. My name is Vince Leo. I'm the film critic for the website Quipster.net. You can read all of my written work stemming all the way back to 1996 at that site. That's Quipster.net. Q-W-I-P-S-T-E-R dot net. Today I'm going to be looking at Don't Breathe. It's a thriller, primarily. It has horror elements to it. It's R-rated because of terror, violence, disturbing content, and language that includes sexual references. It runs an hour and 28 minutes. The cast includes Jane Levy, Stephen Lang, Dylan Minnette, and Daniel Zavato. The director is Fetty Alvarez, and the screenplay is by Alvarez, as well as Roto Sayaguas. Don't Breathe is set in Detroit. We follow a trio of young, poverty-stricken friends who are trying to make ends meet by robbing the houses that exist in more affluent areas of the city, though they find that fencing the hot merchandise doesn't always make the risk worth their while. These petty thieves want to get out of their bleak, dysfunctional home lives, hoping they can find greener pastures by moving out to California, but to do that, they have to find a place to rob that has enough real cash on hand to allow them to make that leap. After doing the research, they spot their next target in, surprisingly, one of the worst neighborhoods in the area, an isolated place, as most of the nearby neighbors have left the area, and the owner of the house is an older recluse who came into a load of cash following a settlement when his daughter was tragically killed in a car accident. Unfortunately for this trio, what they don't take into account is that man is a war veteran with a particular set of skills that he's learned from being in a war zone, and that makes him a pretty dangerous presence, even without the benefit of his sight. And that he's made his home into a semi-fortress that's about as difficult to get out of as it is to get into makes this a particularly dangerous death trap if they don't find things going according to plan. And I guess it's not a spoiler to say that it doesn't. So Fetty Alvarez, he co-writes and directs this very tight, atmospheric home invasion thriller. It has strong tinges of horror elements such that some people will probably put it into the horror genre. It's constructed on the promise of engaging the audience with stakes and suspense before we end up spiraling into this riveting, tension-packed finale. Now, purely taken on these terms, Don't Breathe certainly delivers. Even if the plausibility of the premise and the motivations of the characters threaten to undo the tension from time to time, especially as the movie tries to go big with terror-filled set pieces, you know, some viewers will no doubt feel a twinge of deja vu, particularly if you've seen that classic movie from uh, Audrey Hepburn's days, Wait Until Dark. You know, you could actually correlate some of the old man and his plight, at least his predicament anyway, with that of Audrey Hepburn, except for Audrey Hepburn was much more of the protagonist in that movie. We're not quite sure the blind man in this movie is good or bad throughout. In fact, our loyalties tend to shift. I think everybody kind of ends up (laughs) deserving some sort of just desserts in this movie, so our rooting interest is a bit conflicted here. Some people might also compare it to uh, films that actually came out earlier this year in 2016. You know, the dead-end kind of thrillers where the protagonists are stuck in a space or a building or a house. Green Room, for instance, is one that came out earlier this year. That was actually a very good film that is definitely worth seeking out if you haven't seen that one. And 10 Cloverfield Lane, another pretty good movie where people are caught in a house and they can't really get out. So... You know, it's comparable to those kinds of movies. Beyond this, there are also elements of more classic horror flicks. If you've seen your share, you know that there are moments in here in which it evokes the film Alien. Uh, Cujo is tossed in for good measure. Yeah, all of these things you can compare them to. There may be some deliberate homage Alvaro was going for. 
A lot of it may be also incidental. I guess Hush also came out in 2016, and that dealt with a deaf person in a home invasion. Although I feel that one was completely incidental. But this one feels more like an evolutionary fright flick instead of a revolutionary one. So I would say, you know, those people who are claiming it's some sort of modern-day masterpiece, I think that's stating way too much. This is a really good exercise in terror, but I would not say that it's rewriting, you know, horror films from here on out. Now, while the ambitious plot may bend, it doesn't break, and that's really key. The film quickly bounces back from overreaching at times. In fact, there's one particular scene in here that I feel may make or break it for some people. But Alvarez's taut and very stylish cinematic approach generates a great deal of excitement on what will happen next, and it does end up working. Now, for his second feature film, Alvarez brings back the star of his 2013 remake of Evil Dead, Jane Levy, who here continues to perform remarkably well as a very relatable and convincing scream queen in horror flicks. We can definitely feel the the palpable fear that goes on in her face and in her mannerisms throughout this film. An underrated character actor, Stephen Lang, as with his turn in Avatar, he provides a genuinely formidable, cringeworthy villain, or, I, you know, maybe he's a hero if you sympathize with this position. Certainly there are things that happen in this film that make you question whether you should be rooting him on or not. Although certainly it does become clear after a while who you probably will end up rooting for. The blind man's fierce look, he has mostly unintelligible attempts to communicate. It makes him particularly frightening as this force that's not easily reasoned with by young trio that's trying to actually steal money from him. Though the film does keep his character as something akin to subhuman for most of the runtime, that's kind of a mystery. He has no reason to be that way. Maybe years of isolation have made them that way. I don't know, but... Not that this film needs defined heroes or defined villains. I think that it's much more complex when our loyalties as the audience and our sympathies are blurred among all of these participants. The story definitely begins to shift our rooting interest to a defined person before veering into the climax. But yet, there really are no completely good people in this film or completely bad people. They all have their motivations that make them noble in their own way, even though what they're doing is kind of despicable in certain fashion. Working with adept cinematographer Pedro Luque, who actually makes excellent use of photography within this very claustrophobic space, I think that Don't Breathe is a very snappy, very engaging thriller. It packs enough punch in its momentum to tantalize for those viewers looking for an escapist suspense vehicle with an ample amount of well-earned, adrenalized jolts. There's even a centerpiece scene in which the actors are fighting for space and survival from within a pitch-black basement. If you've seen the trailers or any of the advertisements, this is a scene that's featured prominently. The eeriness of the situation is accentuated with this use of night vision filter on the cameras, and it makes everyone's eyes bug out and makes them reaching around in the darkness particularly scary because I think we can all relate to that moment, that fear of the unknown that's going on. There's a killer in the room, and there's no ready way out. But what truly sets apart Don't Breathe, at least I think, from your run-of-the-mill gimmicky thriller is that Alvarez, as well as his screenwriting partner, Rodro Sayagüez, commit to establishing their characters, as well as their motivations, right from the start. It allows us to invest enough in these characters to feel a sense of palpable dread for their harrowing situation. We want to see the individual stories reach their conclusion and find out what happens to them. 
there are a few unanswered questions that do leave this otherwise satisfying experience with a little bit of an aftertaste, especially in the ways that someone should be knocked out cold, but isn't, or should have been contained, but wasn't, or should have expired, but hasn't. You know, these unexplained elements bother me too after the fact, but not as much in the moment of this very fast-moving chiller. So suspension of disbelief may be a little bit hard to think about after the fact, but I think that that's only once the expected entertainment threshold has already been reached by the film. This is a very lean but very potent film. Don't Breathe is best watched in a theater with a full crowd of amped moviegoers whose squeals of effective shock and clever surprises will also fuel the entertainment value through this shared experience of all of these nail-biting moments within. I'm giving Don't Breathe three and a half stars out of four. Three and a half stars on my scale means that I think that this is a good thriller, one of the best thrillers to come out in 2016. It ranks up there with Green Room. As far as I'm concerned, I would give the edge to Green Room. I do think it's better than 10 Cloverfield Lane personally. But I guess you have to see it for yourself and rank those films among your own. Wait Until Dark is a classic film. If you haven't seen that, I definitely highly recommend it. It's not a horror film the way these more modern thrillers are, but it's great. That's the end of the review. Thank you, everyone, for listening. I hope that you did enjoy this review. As I generally mention for new listeners, if you enjoyed this review, I do encourage you to click the subscribe button. I do about three to five reviews every single week of what's out there in the theaters as well as on VOD. Sometimes I have to play a little bit of catch-up with some of the films that I missed in the theatrical run, and I ended up seeing them when they go to VOD. But for the most part, I try to keep up with most of the major releases. If you want to show your support for the show, if you've been listening a while and you enjoy it, I do encourage you to go to iTunes and leave a review. Also, I have a way that you can contribute to the show monetarily and help me out because I pay for all of the movies that I see. You can go to patreon.com slash quipster. That's Q-W-I-P-S-T-E-R. Until next time, thanks everyone for listening. I hope that you enjoy your time anytime you get to go to the movies.